Okay, thank you guys. Thanks for being here. If you guys would go ahead and find a seat, that'll be great. That'll be great. I do want to. I do want to welcome everyone here to our uh, our main auditorium. I also want to say hello to all of you that are worshiping with us right now down in the venue. It's a very special place. Uh, last week there was like 179 people worshiping down there. That's fantastic. Really, that's seriously fantastic. I love that. I love that. Uh, out in North Platte, I want to say a big hello to you as well as we're all kind of synced together right now for one church in multiple locations. Well, I've been telling you throughout the last few weeks, and we've been announcing that we've got a special guest with us. And some of you have asked me, why haven't you said who the person was? That's because I want everybody that chose not to attend at New Life today to, walk, to come back next week and go, what? I missed having Bob and Connie wine with us live right here? Are you serious? Yeah. And then with a pastoral heart, I want to look him in the eye and go, well, you might want to consider twice about missing. You know what I'm saying? Because you just never know what's going to be happening around a new life. So today we get opportunity to have our former lead pastors who are currently serving as our district superintendents of the state of Nebraska serve this church faithfully for 33 years. So I know many of you listening right now, you never met them, you don't know anything about them, but you've heard about them. And today it's my pleasure to introduce for the first time back to this platform uh, our superintendent and former pastor, Bob Wine. Give it up for him, would you please? I just want to say this never happens for me. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't really know what's going on, but you get a chance to use this. How's that? All right, very much. <laughs> I want to say thank you very much for inviting me. Jeff, thank you. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. It's a privilege to be able to speak to you, to those of you in the venue, to those of you in North Platte. I was just out there worshiping with you a couple weeks ago. I really enjoyed it. So, Jeff, thank you. And, Jeff, by the way, I'm very proud of what you're doing. Amen. <laughs> to be very transparent with you, I didn't. I never imagined to be standing here on Sunday morning again. I really didn't. But here I am. I actually expected to be retired. <laughs> this isn't retirement yet. You know, it's amazing how life changes things, right? Let me just take you back just for a moment. And those of you who are junior high, high school, take, take note here. Right now, I know kids around you are so important, and there's so many things that you think are so important, but these two will change. For example, how many of you married your high school sweetheart, and you, you're living with her today? Look around. Not very many. Those of you in each of your venue know what I'm talking about. How many of you who went to college can say that you invested that money, invested that time into the profession you are currently in today? Very few. You know what? In my case, I couldn't say yes to any of them. You see, there's something strange about change and life. It seems as though nothing really turns out the way we hoped or thought it might. 
in fact, quite different in ways sometimes we're not even really looking for. We don't want it to be that way. But there's something that changes even when we resist change. How many of you have tried to change a habit? How many of you tried to change some things in your life? You know, I really should change that. And how many of you find it so easy? In fact, you love to change. No. And yet, for some reason, life changes us. Now, it seems as though your choices don't really matter in life. Because it's going to be whatever it's going to be. you got to be whatever it is or whatever it happens. But I just want to say to you, even though it appears those choices don't make any difference that you make, they really do. In fact, they can make a difference in your life. Now then, let me just say it's to some extent because some of the decisions, like whether you eat peas or carrots, really doesn't matter. But there are some that really do matter. And I can see that more clearly now that I have gray hair. (laughs) I can see that as I look back. And they always say, and I don't know if it's true, they have, I think your memory kind of distorts that a bit, but we look back and they say we have 20-20 vision. I know I don't have 20-20 vision in a head, right? Neither do you. We don't know what is ahead, but as I'm looking back, I've learned some things And I want to share those with you, some basic concepts. What I'm going to share is going to help you manage your expectations. It's going to help you make choices on those matters, those issues that really are going to affect your tomorrow. Many of the choices that you make today do influence your tomorrow. The only problem that we have is is we don't know which decision is going to matter, and we don't know where that decision is going to take us. It's kind of confusing. I've uh, watched through the years how some teenagers just want to have fun. And so they decide to have fun, and they end up, they don't see it coming, that they pay alimony for quite a few years. You know what I'm talking about? They just want to have fun, and their life gets messed up, maybe even ending up in prison, just thinking they're going to have some fun. The Bible has something very significant to say, probably one of my life verses. It says in Proverbs, it says there is a way, there are ideas that seem, if you want to underscore something in your Bible, if you mark in your Bible, some of your Bibles, you can do this little uh, highlight thing. Seems. Seems mean it's not really there. It just seems like it's there. Seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Now, death does not necessarily mean, in fact, in the Bible, oftentimes it doesn't. It's not necessarily meaning that there's going to be cessation of life, no more breathing. What it means is you're going to be separated from the joy, from the happiness, your dream of fulfillment in that way. I've found the only way of of coming to that end that I really desire is by following God's intuitive leading inside. It's an intuitive thing. And by doing so, I end up with healthy, desirable significance 
fulfillment, those things that really we call happiness. Life consists of a myriad of people, each with their own unique design, destiny. And they all are interacting with each other. And strangely enough, in that interaction, there's a random exchange in each person's life. There's a random exchange of marks left. Some of you have school teachers of your past. They still are affecting your things today. Every once in a while, you remember that teacher. Or maybe it was a neighbor. Or maybe it was a friend. Or maybe, maybe a particular relative. Certainly your family, your parents. But there's somebody that leaves a mark on you that is still affecting you today. I don't know who that is, and I'd just like to have you think for a moment, who is that person in my life? Who is it that's met a, that, that changed that? Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's a judge. Maybe, who knows? There was an Israeli boy by the name of Daniel who was captured. He was taken east to a city called Babylon. That was the capital of the empire at that point in time. There in Babylon, they served a god different than Daniel served, and his name was Marduk. That was the god's name. But Daniel kept a resolute faith in God. Nothing changed. Because of his unique gift of wisdom, what happened is the king there in Babylon made him the chief governor of that whole important city. Very impressive. But not only that, Daniel survived that king and went on to serve through two more of them, each of which also gave Daniel a prominent leadership role in that government. What happened? In the process of it all, Daniel, who loved God, unwaveringly, he left his mark on people even there in that foreign land. What happened? The Bible says, the Christmas story that we're familiar with, in Matthew, it talks about wise men, they came and worshipped baby Jesus. The Bible is pretty silent on where they came from. It only says they came from the, help me, East. And what was it in the East that made anybody interested in the Jewish God? Why would they want to come? There's no natural reason why someone in the East would be interested in knowing whether God's son was even born. That was not their interest. But somewhere along the line, in those astronomers, there was a fluke interest in people what, interested in what God had prophesied in his word. Where do you think that came from? Daniel. There was that mark that was left. And generations later, generations later, that mark was still having its effect. Now think about it. Do you think Daniel... 
imagine I'm going to be this important person and I'm going to tell people about my God and they're going to remember and generations later there's going to be a tour that's going to go and they're going to find Jesus. Do you think, do you really think Daniel thought, hey, that's, that, that's what's going to happen? I don't think so. I think he was just living out what was in his heart. Do you? That's all it was. He was just, it was a conviction. It was something that was important to him. And he was simply living that out. Do you think the astronomers thought, hmm, I think I want to go into astronomy when they first started. Do you think, do you think they thought, this is what's going to give me, find me a place with God? No, nah, that's not what there was on their mind. All they were thinking about is learning and, and all about the stars. But that interest kept changing until they made a trip and they found Jesus Christ, the child. Now, think about it. Do you think it's really interesting that a man carried off in captivity would be the one who would leave a mark that would cause other people to make a long journey to find Christ? What is it that sometimes has happened in your life or may happen through your life? that God is wanting to let you leave a mark on someone whose life will be changed. It fascinates me on who the Bible says brings these things about. And I want to point out there in John, Jesus is saying this. He says, when the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, he will what? Guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard, and he will tell you about the future. Doesn't mean he's going to tell you all about it. It's going to be a step-by-step, but he's going to tell you. He will do it, lead us into all truth. Let me make that practical. Some of you who are listening today, whether it's in this venue or the auditorium in the other venue, or in North Platte, wherever it is. Some of you here came thinking, I'm just going to maybe watch a children's program. I like kids. Maybe you came because you just wanted to impress somebody. So you get what you want. You know, I mean, that works sometimes. Go places you don't want to go just to make an impression. Maybe that's why you came. Maybe you came because you thought, well, I'm just going to get humored a little bit. Or maybe you felt depressed and you thought, maybe I might just hear something that will lift me out of depression for just a little bit of time. I don't know why you came. I don't know why you're listening. But whatever the case is, there was something that was drawing you. Some person invited you. Something that you had in mind. And you followed that little voice, and you came, and now you're encountering God. Just as the wise men came from the east and found Christ. There's something that is, has drawn you, and you are here today, probably not by your own intentions. I find it interesting that God will use all kinds of things in your life and in mine 
to bring us to a place where we will be positioned to hear what God is wanting us to hear so that we can find life. Life can be sparked. Hope can be sparked in us. And God wants to do that to some of you even today. I do know this, that there are things that God works through. He has a plan, and he wants to work it in your life as well. I want to ask you to consider this. Why did Jesus come when he came? Why didn't he come a millennium earlier, a thousand years before that? Why then? Good question. I, I'm not God. He hasn't told me why. But one thing he has said, there's things we do know, and the Bible says this in Galatians 4. He says, but when the fullness of time had come, there's something about it. Notice that in the fullness of time had come. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. It, there was something that God was orchestrating. He had it all figured out. Let's think about it. A thousand years before Christ Jesus was born. A thousand years. What was the world like? There was no common language. So no one, I showed many nationalities would never hear about Christ. There was that would, but what happened is there was a ruler called Alexander the Great who introduced, conquered a lot of area, introduced the Greek language as a common language, much like we would say today, in many cases, English is a common international language. One, he, he introduced that. A thousand years before Christ came, there was pirates roaming the Mediterranean Sea, all that area. There was the maritime area travel was dangerous at that time. The Romans came along. And I think of the Roman Emperor Augustus who finally brought peace to that whole area, that huge area, if you look at the map. It's huge. But not only did that, the Roman army swept the sea from the pirates. Oh, I'm sure there was a few, but not many anymore. And now they could travel by ship very easily. Commerce was the thing that could flow, but little did they know God had a different agenda. What happened then in 200 B.C.? There was a Roman initiative that came along, and they began making 50,000 miles of solid roads. They thought it was just for commerce. God says, you think that I have another agenda. He had ordained his own agenda. Let me go back to that verse we looked at earlier. After God had made the world to what he knew was ready, in the fullness of his time, when that, hap 
when that finally came, God then set forth his son. You know, there's a fullness of time for each of us and for what God is planning yet today. The fascinating part for me is this. We humans couldn't be able to do this. But God took even evil, wicked men. Selfish, we're going to do their own thing. God took that selfishness, knowing them, and orchestrated his plan in the midst of all that, and his plan marched on. That's God. That's how he works. You think, how could, how could things happen in our world today? Everything's going chaos. Guess what? We have a God who makes it all happen. And the end, just as he promised, that is going to happen. His truth will march on regardless of the world around us. That is the God you and I serve. Here's the deal. God designed you and he designed me, designed every human being to enjoy a significance in life. I'm not talking about success, although success is wonderful. That's significance is so much better. He designed us to enjoy significance, fulfillment by being a part of his plan. But please understand, his plan will mark March on even when man, when we refuse to follow him. When you say, no, I think I'm going to do it my way. Guess what? His plan will still march on. What does God do? He seeks to get us realigned with that plan that he has. And he brings things into our life and they're, they're kind of painful. And I don't want to go there. And yet God is trying to use that to say, hey, 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 wake up, wake up. There's a better way. You can end up where you really want to go in finding that happiness. Let me be personal. When I was in high school, I did not know I was going to do what I'm doing now. One thing I thought I knew was that I did not I want to be a preacher. I vowed I would never be a preacher. But when God began to whisper to my heart in my sophomore year in college that he wanted me to go into ministry, I had come to love God too much to just ignore him. So I negotiated with him. I said, okay, God, you know how I feel about preaching. You didn't make me to be a preacher. You made me to do this, okay? I said, God, I will work as a minister of music and youth, but I, I won't preach. I don't know about you, but I, I kind of think God kind of smiled. Son, you don't know what you're in for. <laughs> do you ever think he does that for you? He knows what's ahead. He's planning for that. Now, that arrangement worked for about eight and a half years. And guess what? 
he started coming and he began to speak deep within me. This is not a head trip. This is not an emotional trip. Deep within me that he wanted me to be a pastor. This time, there was no negotiation. And I knew it. And I'll just be honest with you, be very transparent. I resisted big time. I did things that I'm sorry I did. I rebelled. I'm not saying I didn't become, stay a Christian. I, I, I did that, but I, I rebelled against what he wanted. But finally, I came to a place where I realized I loved God too much to not do what he said. So in 1976, I finally surrendered, and I said, I'm going to go and do whatever he, wherever he leads. I'll do it. But trust me, it didn't come with a lot of, without a lot of agony. And even after I said, I will, for the next five years, approximately five years, I, uh, my body reacted. Do you know what I mean when I say your body, your whole system just begins to kick back and push back? I, uh, I, had, I had to go sit on the throne in the bathroom every Sunday morning. <laughs> for five years, about five years. Finally, in 79, I came to Kearney, still going to my special throne. Now, what I'm trying to say is this. My whole system pushed back, even though my heart said I will. When I surrendered, in that sense, when I finally got past myself, please catch that. When I finally surrendered to that, I came to find the most incredible significance and fulfillment in my life to that point. I found great joy in watching this, you as a church congregation grow. It was a thrill for me. In the midst of it all, God knew that's what I really wanted. But I was insistent on going my way. In the fall of 2011, I heard God whisper to me again. He wanted me to prepare a new life for my departure. I'd been here a long time, and changes like that are hard for a church. And so I began to move forward in that way. Now, this decision was not hard. You know why? I, it was hard emotionally because I loved you. That's, that part was hard. But what it, I, didn't, I didn't push back because you know what? Ahead of me, I thought I was going to retire. And I'm saying, oh, this is good. This is good. I'll work hard. I'll do it. Things went exceptionally well. The transition went so smoothly. In fact, it was like God greased the rails. And I remember thinking more than once, hmm, 
it seems like this thing's moving faster than what I anticipated it to move. I, uh, it was obvious. It was obvious, and I can't go into all the details, but it was obvious God was in this whole thing. One of the thoughts that came to me, I wonder, I wonder if God has something up his sleeve that he hasn't told me yet. Honest. More than once. Hmm. This is interesting. And I didn't like that thought, so I just kicked it off. Have you ever done that? I did my share of it. In the spring, then, of 2013, I uh, was sitting in a business meeting of our state and I was just about to withdraw my name from the nomination of being district superintendent. That's what was happening at that point. And I felt uh, I'm, I'm not going to do this. That's not where I'm going. And I froze. I heard God's voice. It was so powerful, so clear. It was like he said to me deep inside, I don't know how to explain it, but it was so powerful, I knew that I knew. He said, are you saying that you will not do this? Ah. Uh, all I could do, the only thing I could find peace in doing was just, okay, uh, I surrender. And I sat there in literally in agony until I was elected. Since then, again, once I get my mind adjusted to what he wanted and I accepted it emotionally, I have found God has given me a sense of significance, a sense of fulfillment that's even greater than where I have. It's not there yet. I can see it coming, and it's, it's something that I know God is bringing. You see, when you follow God's plan, those are the good things that he does because that's how he described or he de designed us. I knew that I loved God too much to say no. And that love made me make that choice I did not want and Connie did not want. Let me just say this. When God has a plan for your life, and he does, mark my word, he has a plan for your life. You may not like that plan. You may not choose that plan, but he has a plan for your life. But keep in mind, God doesn't make you a robot. It's not something you're going to do no matter what. God had a plan for an apostle. His name was Saul at this time. Saul thought he knew God, thought he was going to do God's will, but his will and God's will were kind of distorted. He knew that God had a plan, but that plan did not consist of becoming a Christian. In fact, he was fanatical. He was like a terrorist today. 
fighting against the Christians. He was on his way to a town called Damascus. And at that time, Christ hit him with a light so bright, he dropped to his knees. Interestingly, when that happened, Jesus said something to him that was very significant. It seemed strange to us. Why would he say that? Here's what he said. It's hard for you to what? Kick against the goads. Now, most of us today don't know what a goad is. Here's what it is. It's a sharp point, pointed stick, that the men driving oxen would poke their ox if the ox wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. Today, we use cattle prods. Same thing. And guys, maybe you can relate to it this way. It's sort of like when your wife gives you a swift or a kick under the table or one of those looks when you're doing something you ought not be doing. Have you ever had, guys, have you, how many of you guys have had that? No, what? <laughs> it's kind of like a goad. I now understand what Paul was experiencing all that time before he got, had that experience. I know what it's like because every time I started going a direction that I thought I wanted to go, that I thought was going to be best, I would get this sharp stick poking me. Are you with me? Have you ever had one of those goads hit you? You know what you're supposed to do and you really didn't want to do it, but man, that's pretty hard. I resisted until he gave me a good swift poke. And he got my attention. You can submit to God for his plan for your life. You can experience the joy, the fulfillment, the the significance. You can experience all of those things that God has for you. He's given you some of his joy. Or you can also resist. And you can Choose to do what you want and feel the pleasure of those goads. I think last Sunday you heard about Zechariah, who God spoke through an angel. Here's what the deal is, and he pushed back. And what happened to him? He was silenced for how long? Nine months. You think it got his attention? I think it did. You see, that is a choice God gives us. And if we care about him, we're going to say, okay, God. But there's another choice you can make. And that is, God, I get it. But no way. I'm not going there. And you know what? That will bring you a little bit of peace for a while because the goading, poking kind of stops. But you really don't want to go there for very long. Because if you keep that attitude up, you're going to not like the fact that you don't end up at his house at the end of the day. You see, please understand this. God is no different than we are in this sense. 
God doesn't want rebellions, rebellious people in his kingdom to live forever with him in his house any more than you want to have a rebel who won't live by your house rules live in your house, right? How many of you would love to have a rebel in your house? No. And God is the same. We've got to understand that God desires us to be obedient and love him, loving him so much that we will obey. Please hear me. The only way I know to be assured that you will end up victorious in the end is by listening, authentically obeying and loving God with all your heart. That's the only thing. And how do, how do I know that? Jesus said the greatest commandment is this. He said in Mark, he said, you must love the Lord your God. And love does not mean, yeah, I kind of like to love my dog too, you know. It's all. Notice, God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. If you give him all that kind of love, you don't have a whole lot to go around. In fact, you don't love your family even, Jesus said, just because they're lovable. He says you love them because I told you to love them. That makes sense? That's a whole different scene. And when we position ourselves to continually grow in that kind of love for God so that we want to, even when we get goaded, we'll get those because, you know, we're human. We tend to want to be independent. If we will follow him, we're going to find the good results. We're going to find that, that fulfillment. And in the fullness of our time, in the fullness of your time, you will discover, hey, I did get here. I, this is the happiness I was looking for when I was a teenager. This is the happiness that I'm really looking for as an adult. In the fullness of time, that his joy, his peace, his significance, his fulfillment, his gratification, all is going to be yours. But it's something that you have to choose to follow on a daily basis. So let me ask you this. In the fullness of your time, and there will come a time when it's time for you to exit this world. In the fullness of your time, where are you going to be? Are you going to be still insisting on doing it your way? Or are you going to do it his way? Have you been carefully listening and obeying his whispers? Or have you been trying to push back and you feel the goads, but you want to ignore them because you don't want to go there? Or have you come to the place where you've told God enough times, no way? And God is about to say to you, okay. Have it your way. We don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. And I urge you today, think about what I've shared. This is God's way. This is a pattern. This is a lesson. These are things that you can learn to apply in your life and saying, mm, I think that's God. I better do that one. 
I want to because I love it. That's a choice you must make. I'm going to pray with you. I want you to consider where am I at in this whole journey. You might be in the one like I was and when I was feeling the, the pokes of the goat. Are you feeling them? How are you going to respond? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can be stubborn people sometimes, and I know that you're very much aware of that. We want to do it our way because we're convinced our way is the best way. It's the way to happiness. It's a, but we're like little children. We think we know what's best, but we really don't. We've watched our children, and we kind of, they went to, we, they're doing something that we know is going to bring them pain, and we stop them. And God, you're trying to stop us from doing things that are going to bring us pain. I ask, God, that you will give us special grace in every auditorium here. Give each of us special grace to be able to trust you because the truth is we're afraid of trusting you over our own ability to choose. God, help us. Help us to be able to trust you. Give us grace to do that. Give us the courage to say, I surrender. And then, God, I ask that you'll give us your grace to know a taste of the fulfillment, of the gratification, the satisfaction, the joy, the sense of significance we get when we finally say, I surrender. God, I don't know why you even have patience to work with us. We're so hard-headed I've been so stubborn, and God, I, I'm sorry, but you have been patient with me. And I, God, I ask you to help each person in the sound of my voice to know the value of listening to that intuitive voice that speaks to our hearts. And may we follow it, and may they follow it so they can find your happiness. May today be the day they make that choice. In Jesus' name we pray.